dream has a construct of duality, a tunis, tunis. In a sense, this is a, let's say, a hypothetical statement, but let's just go with it. In a sense, there is what you would call oneness. I don't even call it oneness. I would say nothing without a, a first. But in other spiritual groups, they say one without a second. I think that's way too much. So it's actually nothing without a first. But let's say one without a second. But here, everything looks dualistic, yes? This thing seems to be thousands of things. Like even in this room, there's people, there's chairs, there's plants. There seems to be all these separate individual, you can call it a wood entity or a human entity or you know, chair entity. And so, this one without a second seems to, or this undifferentiated light seems to get diffused and become differentiated. Now, where is the point where that occurs, or seemingly occurs? Seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. Seemingly is really important. If you read the, like the forward in one of the books, the recovery book, it says, we are a hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Yeah? Was it a hopeless state of mind and body? Obviously not, because you recovered. If it was hopeless, you would never have recovered, obviously. Yeah? I mean, that's the word, hopeless. If it's a hopeless state of mind and body, there's no recovery often. But it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Seemingly. And, not, and who is it seemingly hopeless to? It doesn't matter if it's not, if it's seemingly hopeless to him, if I have it. It's only seemingly hopeless if I seem to see it as that. Yeah? I give it the meaning it has, which is its hopeless state of mind and body. What happens in AA is a little hope gets dropped in, and then you can start entertaining that it isn't a hopeless state of mind and body. Once you see it as that, then you can entertain being recovered. You can't entertain being recovered if it's a hopeless state of mind and body. That was one of the dilemmas out there. I mean, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, but when I went to my Greek oracle, it told me, hey, this really is never going to work out. You've been two years in drug programs, three months in another one, you've been in jail, you've been shot at, everything like this. It's a hopeless state you're in, so let's just get loaded until they catch up with you. I was totally hunkered down to go to more institutions in jail, and I knew death was inevitable because I had already died a few times, basically. So I was in a hopeless, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, which there was no entertaining any idea of being recovered. It was getting loaded, and it wasn't like partying. That, that definition, that meaning of that word was out long ago. It was an occupation. I had to stay loaded so that I wouldn't really sense the hopeless state of mind and body I was in. So I wanted to avoid it and distract myself. But all the while, when I was trying to avoid it and distract myself, what was actually happening in mind, I was reinforcing the belief that it was hopeless. Yes, that's how you participate in it, because you give everything the meaning it has here. So by trying to avoid something as if it's the plague, guess what? It's like the plague to you. By trying to avoid something as if it's the plague, to you, it is like the plague. Yeah? So you can see, by your incredible drive to move away from something, how real you believe it is. And if it's not real, let's just say it's not real, it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, if you run and run and run and run and run away from it, 
You are making it seem to you as a hopeless state of mind and body. You actually give it the reality that it seems to have over you. Yeah? So when this changes, everything else changes. But if something out there changes, it doesn't change you usually. But when this changes, everything else can change. You gotta see the court, you know, the horse before the cart. There's not a real solid world out there that's affecting you. You are the biggest effect through the world on you by the meaning you're giving it. You and I are the biggest effect on ourselves through the world by the meaning we're giving the world. Yeah? We're giving it the meaning it has to defeat us. That's what it does. It's like a roundhouse punch. You never follow it to the source to see it's coming from your shoulder. <laughs> you just keep getting hit by it, but you keep thinking that's its direction. Let me manage better, control better, blame, resent, this and that, attack, and all this because it's coming from outside. But if you would follow it for a second, you'd see it's, oh, shit, what would that do? It would startle you into a point of a surrender or a pause, or it has the potential to do so. When the engine of selfing is startled by, an, by something, like to me it was a moment of clarity, yeah, that's what we call it in recovery. You have a moment of clarity. The moment of clarity startles the verb of selfing into stopping. And then the confusion that was being produced by the verbing of selfing, when it stops, clarity takes its place. Like it says, we'll replace clarity with uh, calamity with serenity. Yeah? Calamity is a product of the, self, the verbing of selfing. Yeah? Calamity, confusion, not knowing what to do, incredible amount of importance about what's right and wrong, all this baloney. And when that stops, that place that was the atmosphere of confusion immediately becomes clear. Yeah? It doesn't take weeks to clear out the confusion. That's why you know it's not real. In a nanosecond, it dissipates and it's clarity. And it wasn't like you dropped clarity in from Missouri. It was already, the potential was always there. As soon as your head came out of your self's ass, clarity. Then you go back in there, and then you're looking for clarity, but now you're in the confusion again. You have to see the clarity and confusion are based on you. Not there isn't clarity and confusion there. You are what entertains it. Yeah? If you're entertaining yourself as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, you're probably going to be very confused a lot of the time because your whole basis is confusion. Yeah? The whole basis is confusion. How could anything after that base of confusion be not confusing? Someone will come here and give you this message. There's only, there's no world. There's no solid things. This is only oneness, and you're seeing... Greg's body and your body seeing Greg's body and the couch and you're going, oh, I really like this message, but your perceptions are reaffirming the lie every second. Yeah? Jesus Christ, that hurt. Ow! Which one's going to win out? So, what we're attempting to do is go in there tell the truth about one simple part of the whole situation, which is, if the system that we're living under is called self-centeredness, 
let's go to the center and see if we are what that self represents. Are you a long-lasting, independent, separate entity with free will and choice and you're an island unto yourself, not influenced by anything or conditioned. I, have, I can say yes or no to anything that comes my way without any other influences in that yesing or knowing. Let's see if that's the truth. If it isn't, and that self drops out, then there is no system called self-centeredness for all intents and purposes for you. Because the center is not self anymore. It's dropped out. Now, there's not a hole left there. Something else, which is actually always there, starts appearing to you. Yeah. It's not like it comes out of nothing and it suddenly appears. It starts appearing to you. Because the you that you were that was blocking it off is now dropped and now you see from what you wouldn't be able to see before. Because you can't see it as a self, but you can see from it every moment. Because, in fact, you are seeing from it. You are seeing from a center, and it's not self. There is a center, but it is not self. The mind, realizing there's a center, has put a name on it and called it self, and has hijacked, hijacked that feeling of I amness to imply that it's a you. Yeah? But the I ness, I amness, is implying the existence or the beingness that's going on. Yeah? The I am, the being of being here, being conscious of being here, has been hijacked into me. And if there's a me that can be conscious of it, the me cannot be conscious of it. Because the me is defined by options. It's defined by duality. High, low, good and bad, close, far, love, hate, yes? It can't have one without the other. That's why we go to the spiritual realm, and it says you will know a peace, or Jesus, I think, said, you know, there's a, you'll have a peace, uh, an understanding, whatever, peace, peace surpassing your own understanding, yeah? But the understanding is based on self-centeredness. That understanding can't grab or understand this peace, because it's not a product of self-centeredness. It's a product in and of itself from somewhere else, yeah? So, or I'll say you'll comprehend the word serenity and you'll know peace. Hey, I thought I comprehended the word serenity. I read it in the dictionary. I wrote it down. And I say it every day. And this, and but you're not comprehending it because you cannot comprehend it as a self. Because the self looks at serenity as an object that it's going to get to make itself better. That's what I was trying to get to before. Here's the duality. So... In fact, all that's appearing here are objects. The body is an object. Yes, you give me that. You can perceive it, it's an object. Everything is an object. Here. The brain has called this a subject. The mind has called this a subject. Yeah? So this object now takes on the role of being the subject here in my life. So my life is interpreted from this position as me as the subject. As soon as this object is called a subject, yes, it now becomes a subject to everything else as an object. You don't do this, this is what happens, yeah? So now the object has taken on the role of being the subject, and so let's say you hear about the truth, yeah? The truth will be held in your head as an object to you as the subject. So I, as a subject, am now going to know truth. I, as a subject, am now going to travel through some doing and some having so I can get the truth. I, as a subject, am going to know God as an object. <laughs> it's unbelievable, really. Mm -hmm. 
I, as a subject, am going to know God as an object. That's why you don't know God, because it's impossible to know God. In fact, like one master said, to know God is to be God. Exactly. That's exactly what it's like. To know God is to be God. To truly know God is to be that. See? Because the universal subject is not play, is not an object to the pseudo-subject. It's the universal subject. It's like what St. Francis says is what's looking, or I like to say what's seeing, out of all of us that are looking. Yeah? So what's seeing is what you are looking for. How can I not see it? Because there's a you that's looking for it. The you that look, that's looking for it, it sounds like to you that it's a noble spiritual endeavor, doesn't it? I'm looking for the truth. Yeah? You get a couple of kudos, I'm pretty good. Nothing else is going on in my life, but I'm really, I like the truth, man. I'm a spiritual, spiritual seeker. But that is actually the blindness. You looking for it is the blindness here. That's why it's, it's disguised as looking or as seeing, but it's, it's a way of looking. And ways of looking here are ways of blindness. To what? The fact that you are the seeing. You're not the seer. You are the seeing. If you think you're the seer, that's a way of looking. Yeah? If there's an identification with seeing as I'm the seer, that's a form of looking. You now become the subject that's looking. Yeah? Seeing is not that. Seeing is seeing. It is universal subject. Yeah? It's what's looking out of every one of our heads. So obviously, what's seeing is what the you is looking for. Now if you just go, okay, what's seeing, and you drop the you, What's seeing is what's looking for. Now, is there any argument with seeking then? No. It's actually a description of what is happening here. What's seeing is what's looking for. So this is looking for, but I believe the looking for implies there's a you, and that's, that's the dilemma, yes? That new, you, if you drop the you out, what's the problem? What's seeing is what's looking for. Looking for is just a verb. What's the problem with it? But the way the problem is, is what's seeing is what you are looking for. The you looking for something is the blindness to the seeing. Because you're blind to the fact, or you're ignorant, you're ignoring the fact that you're the seeing by being, or by masquerading as a you that's busily looking for it. <laughs> The imaginary train just comes to a screeching halt. Do you ever feel that? It's an imaginary train. It's got some momentum, but it comes to a screeching halt. That's the pause. So what's seeing is looking for. So what's the problem with looking for? I shouldn't be looking for. No, with the eye, you shouldn't be. And then a month later, you should be looking for. Yeah, because the eye will feel better if it's looking for. Yeah? But you're neither of that. Looking for is fine. And not looking for is fine. Because all the, the constant is seeing. See? So what's looking or what's seeing is what you're looking for. There is no requirement to be looking for in a certain way. What's looking is what you're looking for. No matter what you're looking at. If you're looking at for some satisfaction in porno, 
what's looking is what you're looking for. That what's looking doesn't blink at the porno screen. You could care less. Yeah. In other words, your head's playing God, <laughs> saying you have to be looking a certain way to see this. No, you don't. What's seen is what you are looking for. So every moment you're looking for anything or at anything or through anything or by anything, the same what's looking is in place. It never switches. It never changes. Yeah? It's always what's seen, no matter how you're looking for it. Yeah? If you're looking for it with drugs, if you're looking for it with sex, if you're looking for it with religion, if you're looking for it with purification, if you're looking for it with yoga, if you're looking for it this way, that way, it doesn't change the basic fact, which is the freedom, which is what's looking is always in place in all the yous that are looking for. It's the same scene. How can it, how can it be any easier than that? So even in the worst, what you would call the most heinous act, if there could be a pause in that, and that selfing could have been stopped, you would see the same essence of every and any pause of all time and no time was available. There was no judgment on what the act was or anything like that. The availability of what's always so is always available. No matter how you're looking for or not looking for. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It is the deepest form of relaxation because you, whatever role you think you have in this, is irrelevant. You can't fuck it up, nor can you uh, make it better. You can't achieve it or attain it, nor can you lose it. <laughs> in other words, you as a doer has no relevance to the truth. That's not incredible. Because if you do have relevance to the truth, then you're the God, and the truth is secondary. If you have relevance to knowing the truth, then you're the God as a self, and the truth is secondary. Don't you think? If, if it's based on what you do or don't do, that the truth is acknowledged, or not acknowledged, maybe it seems to be the case there, but that the truth is the truth only when you think you achieve it or entertain it, then you are the bigger truth. It's sort of like when you, when you move towards knowing God, who's talking about how you're doing all the way? The God of your head. The God of your head tells you how close you got to God at that retreat. <laughs> the God of your head says, oh, I helped, I was at the soup kitchen today, so... That's pretty good. I'm getting close to the God. And then, conversely, if you shoot some pool or something, and, oh, and your head thinks that's not getting, that's not moving towards God, what happens? Now you believe you're moving away from God. Yes? Who's God in this situation? I would say the God that's telling you how close and far you are from God is the God. <laughs> the bigger God. Isn't that selfing in its essence? So if you really look at selfing in its essence, it all comes down to relevance. That's what it's attempting to get. It wants to be relevant here, and the greatest way it can have relevance is that it can block you off from the sunlight of the spirit. But it can only block you off from the sunlight of the spirit if you are a you. That can be blocked off from the sunlight of the spirit. So it's all based on your belief. Literally. Literally. I don't mean your belief that you're entertaining. I mean what you're built as, the beliefs that you're built as, is the God playing. So, while you're doing every practice, who's telling you how good you're doing? 
who's adding up the credits and, 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 and dishing out the demerits. Yeah. So on the topic of God, who plays God the biggest? Your head, doesn't it? <laughs> That's why it says in our book, quit playing God. It doesn't work. Do you know, could you just, if you would entertain just looking into how the head plays God, and just go into it, the extent of it is mind-boggling. Literally. And every last bit of it always is boiled down to a sense of relevance, as if you could stop the truth from being the truth. That would make you very powerful, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it make you incredibly powerful that if you were all the all-encompassing one, that you don't feel like that? And what would take credit for you not feeling like that would be you, yes? The you would take credit for you feeling like you're separate from God. That's pretty damn relevant, don't you think? That you have that much power to separate you from God. (laughs) That's pretty incredible. But every day, you're listening to your thoughts. Yeah. I see it in my, old, my relationships with women, especially. In the past, I'd be in a relationship with a woman, and what would come up when I was with her wasn't her at all. It was my ideas of how I'm, I'm supposed to be with her. Yeah? And I would get uncomfortable with how I thought I was supposed to be with her, and I figured the way out of it was getting rid of her. Yeah? Not a very, very good solution, do you think? But... The playing God was so monumental, it had thousands of ideas about how I was supposed to be in a relationship, and if I didn't measure up to them, I felt uncomfortable in the relationship, and then I would blame the other partner in it, making me feel uncomfortable. (laughs) That is like a total, that's like a gymnasium of playing God. It was somersaulting, and it was on the it was on the bars, and the what other thing doing the Iron Cross, putting itself on the cross, and then blaming the audience. <laughs> this isn't playing God. What else could you call it? What else could you call it? That something you wish for in your life, being loved by another, or being able to express love by another is solely, totally condemned and used to create a huge amount of guilt in you. I would say that's playing God. Yeah. Aren't you tired of it? Haven't you, haven't you prayed enough to it? Haven't you asked for it to change? How many schools of self-esteem have you taken it to? <laughs> How many retreats and therapists? Thousands, you know, hundreds of hours of therapizing so we could give you a little bit of a break so you won't fuck up at the next barbecue you're invited to. You know? Jesus Christ. It's like giving you a, like a half an inch with a lot of, you know, the payoff cost ratio sucks. You're putting tons of cost into making this rehabilitated. It just refuses to be rehabilitated. Yeah? The best thing is just to get off the dead horse. But you can't get off that dead horse if you're identified as it. You're going to keep trying to resuscitate it. You're going to get it a new saddle. You'll get some new shoes on it. It's fucking dead. It's time to get off. You'll hate all the moving horses. I'm not leaving you. Don't worry. It's dead. Finito. The system's dead. The system that's running our lives is dead. It's been dead a long time ago. It never actually had life. It lives from the past every moment. It's dead. All intents and purposes, if you lived 
totally from the past all day, you would be called dead. Yes? Just because you're in a vertical coffin doesn't change the fact that you're dead. Yeah? We usually recognize death as inert, but we're as inert as hell. We're just regurgitating feelings and thoughts and reactions to life and try and then conjuring up some kind of false newness to it all. <laughs> it's like constantly resuscitating. It's like get blood infusion to something that's dead. Come on, come on. There's still hope. You can be special. I'm 50-something years old. It's over. I'm not going to be the next American Idol. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be the surf champion. <laughs> 2011. <laughs> but you can't get off self-centeredness as a self. That's the dilemma. It's so tricky because it won't let you leave. Because every opportunity you try, you think you're leaving, if you identify the self, that's being in it. Every escape hatch that it says, that is the escape, and you climb up the ladder, and you go through the escape, it's just another dimension of the, the imaginary prison. There's no true escape hatch. There's no authentic map to get out of you. Because how can you get out of something that's imaginary? That is the whole message, is to realize, I am not giving you a way to get out of a real problem. I'm just telling you the problem isn't real. Now, obviously, the worst thing you could do is ever believe me. You should investigate yourself. So when you start feeling your own walls of your own prison, and you'll see that they're paper, that is a lot more expansive, and then you'll start getting hits, I would imagine, of how you, your head, is playing God. Yeah. Once you start seeing that, the blame of others will probably diminish greatly, because you realize the others are just being accomplices in your master scheme. Yeah. They're really not bringing much to the table. You have a picture of them already. It's dead and solid, and it's it's a, like a refurbished picture of, let's say, your mother or father, <laughs> whatever, some past memory of a relationship. You just keep reliving it over and over and over again. Yeah. But at the same time, like this guy said, I wish he would have come here, this idea of an experiential self and a remembrance self, he thought there was two selves. That was what I thought was the dilemma. Those are just two movements here. One is a movement of self-centeredness, where the story is more important than what happens. The other is more uh, based on conscious contact as the, as the vehicle of a life, yeah? which is the living of it. So every, and the thing is, you can't get off and actually narrate it because it's a verb. Yeah? You can't sit back and observe what's been happening because you're in the mix. See, that's the whole point. Selfing has no real chance in conscious contact. It has to interpret conscious contact as you, that's in conscious contact, for you to go into a trance. And, and replace the conscious contact as your basis and give it a story. Yeah? With the hopes that you'll be a special character in that story. But in fact... Experience after experience after experience after experience after experience. When are you going to be able to observe what's happening? When can you take a break and narrate it? You can't. It's always happening. Even when you believe you've taken a break and you're starting to narrate it, that's part of the happening. Yeah? Even when you arise 
as the one that's now going to be the observer, you see that in the experience of life. As soon as you become identified as that, it, it diminishes your possibility to see it as an experience of life, and now you start seeing life from this interpretation. Yeah. You stop seeing it as an experience. Selfing is an experience here. It's a verb that you're conscious of. You see selfing going on. When you become identified with the noun it's implying, you become ignorant of the seeing, and now you become identified as that, the character of the story. Yeah? It doesn't have any interest in the experience of life. And now it has a story and a resume and a statistic and the facts and the adding and the subtracting and starting to get a total and then saying, oh, yes, I have this, I have that, I've done this, I've done that, my life is great. But you haven't lived a second of it. Yeah? You have a good resume, but basically there's no, it's all fluff. There's no substance because you haven't been conscious. How could what's conscious not be conscious? It can only seem not to be conscious when you're identified as this. And then consciousness, or becoming conscious, becomes a goal to what thinks it can be unconscious. That's the dilemma. As you, trying to become conscious, is another form of unconsciousness. You're unconscious to the fact that you already are conscious. Yes? People are rushing right into... to improve conscious contact, but they haven't acknowledged that they are conscious contact. So if they believe they, if they haven't acknowledged that they are conscious contact, when they improve conscious contact, they're going to have the the other side of the coin, which is they're going to become unconscious when they stop improving it. Yeah? So watch, get into meditation after three years, and then you miss a day. What does your head indicate that day? I'm fucked. You're fucked because you didn't meditate? That's mind-boggling. So therefore you are unfucked by meditating? So if you stop meditating, you're fucked now? Who's playing God there? The thing that's claiming every hour you sat and meditated, it's using it to make up another distance between you and what you are. Well, I'm getting closer because I've been meditating. And conversely, I'm getting farther away because I forgot to meditate today. You see? Every movement is a movement away. A movement toward is just as much a movement away as a moving away. If you are that, any movement is a moving away. A movement towards it is a moving away, and a moving away from it is a moving away. If you are that, any movement is a moving away. Any movement towards it, and any movement away from it. to be moving away and moving towards. Why? Because it's relevant then. Because it writes a story about why you're away based on it, and it writes a story by why you're getting close up based on it. That's called playing God. Yeah? So Godness or whatever, your nature gets placed somewhere, put as an object to this subject, and it gets an incredible story going how close it is to it and how far away from it is based only on what it has or doesn't have and what it's done or doesn't, or hasn't done, yes? So its whole closeness to God is based on it, 
And this farness from God is based on it. Which is the God? Which is the God? The God as the object, or what's telling you how close you are, or far away from it? Which one is the God in all that? Yes, that's right, neither. But which one's playing God in this situation? The one telling you you're probably closer. That's right. So it's quit playing God. It doesn't work. The same thing that's telling you about your condo, what's going to happen if you don't sell it or sell it. That's playing God. Yeah? Now, it's okay it's playing God, as long as you're not living as a devotee to it. If you're a devotee to that God, what are you going to worship? You're worshiping at a closed temple, first of all, and your faith in that God is going to produce anxiety in you. You're going to be fucking anxious to sell. Because that condo has a huge amount of meaning. If it sells, it doesn't sell. Me getting far close to God has got a huge amount of meaning. Me being far away from God has got a huge amount of meaning. To who? Who does it have the meaning to? the thing that's dying to be relevant. Oh, it gets a great amount of relevance being far away from God. I did a terrible thing today. I'm in purgatory now. Hallelujah. I did it. Yeah? That's what happens with me. The irrelevance of it flipped the mind out totally. When it saw it was totally irrelevant, it flipped it out flipped it out. If it could have ripped like the side of a building down, it would have. On top of this body, definitely. It was fucking pissed. It wants to be relevant, like bad. It wants to have a say in this world. It wants to be something. When it sees that it isn't, it just flips out in its last throes of trying to exert some kind of relevance. Really. I'll show you, <coughs> hear me or whatever. See, I'm relevant. I fucked this whole life up. It's a much simpler thing, really, is to see you're not that. You know, if you see you're not that, when it goes into its little tantrum and throws, you won't lay down with it and pantomime its death. Yeah? You won't kabuki theater it. You'll let it do its little thing and just see it as everything else is seen. It arises and it departs. You're not that. And be done with it. I can't do that. That impending doom will happen to me. If I'm ever brazen about my, my freedom, I'll be imprisoned immediately. Something terrible will happen. Wasn't that always the case when you said, if you shared something really good to somebody, and the next day something terrible would happen? Then you learn, I shouldn't say anything about how good it gets. It seems like I get punished by the, the gods when I just say, hey, I'm free. <laughs> you can't be crazy. And that's why you hear a lot of people share. They share a moment of freedom, but they always bookend it with, oh, I'm crazy, you know, immediately pledge allegiance to some kindness. No, I'm really crazy, still don't worry. Still in the herd, not looking up. No, there was just a lightning bolt. I'm sorry, I saw it for a second. But where's the trough? Yes, keep going. Look up, fuck it. What's the worst thing that ever happened to, can happen to you? It's already happened. 
We're having fear, hopefully, to keep something from happening. I've gotten run over twice in one night. What more can happen? A bus run me over? My head get broken like a pumpkin? Yeah, that probably would have been bad. But the fear, you know, it's already been... I mean, how much tithing of fear have we done to the false god of self? Yeah? Isn't that what you do? You worry so the big thing won't happen? Isn't it? Isn't that the sort of deal I made? It's like, you ever see that movie with King Kong? King Kong comes, the, the village puts this virgin up there to keep him at bay for the rest of the year. So King Kong, they, so that, therefore they can go about with some peace of mind because we paid off King Kong. But what we do is we don't pay him off with a virgin anymore. We worry every day. I'll just worry about the inane little thing so the big thing I'm really afraid of won't happen. It's like, it's like tithing to a god. Yeah? This self thing, isn't it? I won't, I won't really preach my freedom. No, no. I'll stay small. Thank you, God. Please. Let me get that check tomorrow. Let me get the parking space at the meeting. Like we're walking around with begging bowls, asking for our balls back. You know, do you have a pair of balls? I gave mine away a long time ago. Ooh, I can't wear them that long. That would be a little too pushy of me. No, I can't be free, can I? No, it's impossible. Like in AA says, the quality of the higher power is the catch, but if you don't fall, you'll never know. If you don't fall, you'll never fucking know what it's about, really. You may have all the self-knowledge, but you won't know it. It's nothing to do with the knowledge of surrender. It's surrender. It's a whole different ballgame. Yeah? Abandon. Let go without reservation. How can you do that as a self? Well, the self isn't what's letting go. You let go of the self, in a sense, yeah? How do you let go of the self? By questioning your identification as it. If you question your identification as it, and your ability to entertain is incredibly powerful, and I'm saying, in my experience, this is the truth, then if you entertain the truth, it's going to show itself to be true. You're going to have hits that you're not that, and that's the surrender of it. You're surrendering self. You don't have to surrender your will and life. You actually get your will and life back in a way. You surrender the self that's claimed your will and your life. It's not your will and life anyway, but it's, yeah? It's claimed what wasn't its. So we're taking that back by surrendering self. Yeah? We get it back. Okay, I don't not I'm not into surrendering my will in my life. I'm into surrendering the idea of that I had a will in a life. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's what I'm into. And I do not want a God of my own understanding. I want a God of its own understanding. Yeah? I want God's understanding of itself. I do not want God my understanding of God, because it's going to be defined by self centeredness and it's going to be a, a smaller God than the God of self. Haven't you seen it in your life? If you told the truth about your daily travels, which is the bigger God in your life? The God of your own understanding or the self that understands that God? Yeah, for sure. So I don't want a God of my own understanding. I want a God of its own understanding. 
So where can, how can I find a God? I don't find it as a self, because that would be a journey that you don't have to take. I realize I'm not a self, and that God reveals. To me, it's a present tense verb, and not a present tense verb. What's the difference? Like Ramana Maharshi said, knowing God is being God. Knowing God is being God. When there's a true knowing of God, you're being God. That's it. It's a verb. Yeah? The noun, the pseudo-noun is forgotten, and the sense of being a verb is restored. It's not the verb is restored, the sense of being a verb is restored. Because now, it's, now the verbing of life and what's happening here isn't interpreted as if there's a noun that it's happening to. That's what occurs. Yeah? And it's a God, what I call a God, is a present tense verb, and this is a present tense verb. You tell me the difference. Where's there a difference? Maybe you can say God is a longer tense of a present tense verb, and I'm a smaller tense of a present tense verb, but we're still a present tense verb. Yes, verbing. That's the message, and we come here, hopefully, to sit in a certain certainty, a certain certainty, a certainty about it, so that some of us can be restored to a sober mind, a sound mind, not a split mind, not a dualistic mind, not a mind conditioned and represented by self-centeredness, yeah? but a whole mind, or a sound mind, or what they call a sober mind, yeah? a sound mind. And so what we... What was confusing before won't be confusing because the confusion isn't out there. The confusion is brought about from here. And what I, you know, if someone comes and says, all right, do this and this and this and this will happen to you, I would say they're a liar without knowing it or knowing it. Because if anyone who's ever had, let's say, an awakening or like that, if they say there was something that they did and, and had to have that occur, are liars. There's no doing or having to do with it. So in a sense, everyone who's preaching a path is, to me, is not, is off. Because if they would say, all right, this is exactly what I did for this to happen, I don't believe they could say that with a straight face. Because they don't know how anything happened and did it even happen. So how could it have been brought about by any doing and having when doing and having is in the structure of self-centeredness? How can self-centeredness bring about transcendence of self-centeredness? It's impossible. So how can the mechanisms of self-centeredness bring about a transcendence of self-centeredness? The transcendence is realizing there's nothing to transcend. The solution is to realize there is no problem. That's the solution. The solution is to realize there is no problem and to entertain it as such. And stand there a little bit when the fury of the lie arises and see what happens. It's going to want to incorporate back in. That's its nature. It's sort of like a parasite. It doesn't have a chance to have a lot of fun without you as its vehicle. And it has to have your energy source to keep its movie going because it doesn't have any power of its own. It's not the one that's providing the light into the projector. All it is really is a strip of film that's put in the projector 
And so when the individual, the undifferentiated light comes in, it gets differentiated to the point where the undifferentiated light is forgotten. That's all it's doing. It's just a strip of film called a story based on you as a self. Yeah. And then that gets projected on the screen and you watch it all the while what's watching it and living as the action figure is what's, what's actually truly looking. But you can't see it because the light's differentiated now. Now you're identified as a form a name and a form, and you forgot the formless and nameless. And now maybe you're looking for the formless and nameless, but in form and name, and as form and name. How in hell can you possibly find what you are by what you're not? It's a defeated journey from the get-go. Doesn't mean it's not long. The defeat can be extremely long. Yes? In the impression of a journey. But it's not taking you out of anywhere. So a great night to truly relax would be Wednesday, March, what is it, 3rd, 2010, at 8.25. Without any idea of what a lovely Thai dinner or a Burmese dinner we're going to have or not have. <laughs> Just this moment. But not as a you, yeah. The real relaxation comes from when you entertain you're not a you. You've never known a relaxation such as this. No. It's really like this whole room, nothing changes, but it just drops about 20 feet to another level of relaxation. And your head, the little narrator, the all-wise, all-seeing, blind person, will maybe get it after a few months. <laughs> Something's happened to me. <laughs> it happened so long ago, it's unbelievably late. <laughs> its headline is like on... A45 of the contemporary paper of the day. It said, like, like, hey, something happened. Yeah, it was eight months ago, bro. You're a little late. <laughs> oh, let me, I've got to write up fast now. What happened? What did I do and have to get this? He has to write up a whole new story. Oh, let's go back to that place when I woke up. Yes, I was at that store and I bought those pair of pants. So let me buy the same pair of pants. And so I'm going to start a program. All right, everyone has to buy the same pair of pants. And uh, better, they will even work better when you buy them through me. And <laughs> so, yes, and do what I do and have what I have and you'll get what I got. But what happens if you didn't do anything and didn't have anything? How can you get what you already are? My job is totally to be obsolete. I'm trying to play it out longer because I need support in my life. <laughs> but really, you don't need to see me ever again, really. You never needed to see me in the first place. You were just, you know, you had to hear it from outside, so you already heard it from outside. You've been, the spiritual subpoena has been served, really. You're due in the court of light at 8.26 Wednesday. Oh, you're here already, yes. Jury is left, defense attorney, prosecutor, judge, do, 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 do. you have been, that whole sentence has been null and voided in the court of light. And any case you have against yourself as a self can be brought to the court of light at any moment, at any time, no matter where you are, and be annulled. If you bring it here, you'll be convicted. If you let it go, yes, you'll be freed. This will convict you with the hopes that you'll be free later. This will free you from the hopes of being free later. 
This will free you from the hopes that you'll be free later. This will free you of that. This will free you from the need to be liberated. The greatest freedom of all. Because what happens? Instead of trying to get out of here, you realize there's nowhere to go because you're not here. And then you'll really be here. Yeah? You really will. You really will be in your day. Incredibly. You'll be so in your day by your absence. It's unbelievable. And I, for me, for one, when you realize you're not an individual, you become more individual than ever. It's so hilarious, really. It's, it's really incredible. You become what I would think people call an individual. You seem to appear as more of an individual now that you're not than when you were trying to be so individualistic and so special. Yeah? So. Come join us, hey? Fuck, don't delay. Is it okay? Yes. Pass it three times. I have a hat? No, I don't. Oh, I do have a hat. I thought I had a hat. <laughs>